Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got CrashPlan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. CrashPlan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So I had a weird realization this weekend that I'm pretty sure I need to talk to my therapist about. (laughs) But I wanted to ask you what you thought it might mean, because I feel like there's something going on there. So I'm a naturally competitive person. Mm -hmm. And I always have been. I Mm -hmm. I remember as a kid feeling the need to be on competitive teams (laughs) and win. Well, the need to win has not gone away. And it is to the point (laughs) where it's a little ridiculous. Like, I need to win the game at the baby shower. I need to win the neighborhood pumpkin carving contest. I need to win trunk or treat. Okay, right? That's why Um, I don't participate in a lot of those things because I do also want to win. But I need to win all the time, everywhere, (laughs) in every aspect of my life. What does that mean, Emily? It's hard to play card games with my child because I don't... We're game, a no cheating family. Game night. That's how I was raised. Game night. I don't give a not, shit if you're yes. five. <laughs> no, no cheating for sure. Game night, though, I dominate anyway. But like, mm-hmm. what is my need to win rooted in? Because I'm starting to be concerned for myself. Well, you know, I would bring this up with your therapist. <laughs> Absolutely, but, I will. You know, I think it, it can come down to a couple of different things. And I think depending on your mood or your needs outside of that specific instance could like give you insight into where it's coming from in that moment. Because at least for me, my need and desire to win kind of changes depending on what I'm not feeling fulfilled in outside of that circumstance. So for example, like, do I feel like, am I sitting in like a lot of imposter syndrome about this thing over here? Okay. Then I need to like win or be good at taken seriously in this aspect over here? Do I feel like I'm not smart in this area? So I need to win or be good at and do right. So like, what is the thing that we're missing in that moment that then comes out in this like intense competition (laughs) style? And I don't know, like, so particularly for game nights, I was always a kiddo and still am to this day, a very like, there's a right and there's a wrong. And if you're cheating, that's wrong. And so we don't do that here. And if you're bending the rules, that's a form of cheating and you're not playing the game right. So we don't do that here. And so I'm very, I am that annoying game night person that like reads the rules and everyone needs to like put their phone away and look at me while you're listening to the rules. So you know how to play the fucking game. Cause I'm not going to say this more than once we get one round where everyone's learning. And then after that, it's on and I'm not going to help you. I'm, you don't get to do over. There's none of that. And to me, that's just how you play games. 
<laughs> I think that's interesting that that's what you hold on to. Cause that's not at all. I mean, not that I don't want to be a rule follower. <laughs> it's in my DNA <laughs> to be a rule follower, but that's not what I hold on to in the stakes of a competition. It's almost like I want to win and get there first, or I want to win and be the obvious choice. I don't know. And I don't know what it's for or why it is. <laughs> or why I know many times it means trying to beat children, which mm-hmm. is like, mm-hmm. but why? Like, but why? I know. So I know. anyway, no. it is we, uh, self-discovery. Penny can now play Skipbo. She's played like her plunk and Uno with us. My parents play games with her because they're much more patient with her and they definitely let her cheat and win and all the things, but that doesn't happen in our house. And so I finally was like, okay, I feel like you're old enough to like, we can play Uno or Skipbo here. And we played Skipbo as me, her and mom. And we did three rounds and she like, so she's an only child and she's the oldest on both sides of the family. So she's that kiddo that like, likes hanging out with adults and like, Sure. Wants to fit in and whatever. That's who you were. It's who I was. No problem. We're really cool people. And so she was like, oh, I want to play Skipbo. And I knew like halfway through the first round that her little attention span was not great. Like she's a kiddo. Like that's totally normal and expected. But she's going to fight through the attention like issue to stay playing the game, even if she's not interested in doing it because it's what we're doing. And so she sat through three rounds and my mom won the first round and then Penny won legitimately. And then I won. And so it was just this like really cool, like we all got to win. We all felt really good and it was great. So I'll definitely be interested for these only children out there. Uh There's, I feel like this generation has a (laughs) lot more only children than our generation. Yeah. When we went out to dinner recently, we're sitting at the end of the table and there were me and two other moms who were intentionally only children. And then the guy sitting across from us was an only child or is an only child. He's an adult. And so we were all having the conversation about like me and him, I think were the only, only children in that conversation. The other two who decided to have only children have siblings And so they were like, I don't know, like, what should we do differently? And so him and I were like, well, do this or don't do that. And like, like, so his piece of advice for this woman's son, because what usually happens is like your only child, like not only gets everything, not in the sense of like toys and all the things like, yes, you can do whatever you want. But in a sense, it's kind of, you can do whatever you want because there's no one else here to offer a new idea. So like, if you want to go to the park and we're down with going to park, let's go to the park. Like if you want to go to the zoo or if you want to get ice cream, if that sounds good, like let's do that. There's hardly ever been like, obviously we tell Penny, no, I'm not saying that at all, but like she tags along to things. If you have an idea, if it fits in the schedule, if if we're all in the mood, we're going to do it. You're only dealing with parents to say yes, not another kiddo to like fight against that or bring something else to the table that you don't want to do. So he was like, Cause she kept saying like, he gets everything. He gets what he wants. He gets everything. And he's like, you need to like put a stop to that like really soon because he's going to become a teenager who will be an asshole because you gave him literally everything. Like, does he do things for chores? Does he work for something? Like you don't have to say yes to everything just because you can. And so it was a really interesting conversation of like, as only children who were spoiled, like I was very spoiled. What would I have done differently just because of like how I have even turned out? <laughs> The funny thing is I already see so my nephews 
currently an only child. Will he forever be? I don't know. But not my thing to decide. However, I got the most hysterical photo of like proof that he's an only child where they were like not wanting to, you know, have him get everything all the time. Mm -hmm. But like the parents still wanted the things. Mm -hmm. And so they're at McDonald's and he's eating his meal. But Nick really wanted ice cream. And so Nick is literally sitting with his back towards him, licking an ice cream cone. I found that. But Elliot had no clue Mm -hmm. that he was eating ice cream. Mm -hmm. None. The amount of desserts that are eaten in our house past bedtime, (laughs) like, is hilarious. It was, no, we can't have dessert tonight. But immediately after you go to bed, you best bet that's what's happening. 100%. 100%. I'm going to get in that cookie dough and eat it and you're going to be asleep. (laughs) Oh, well, in the same vein that we need to be thinking about, you know, implications of our actions, perhaps, (laughs) I want to have a conversation about client experience today. And it's been really interesting working with so many different service providers over the years, watching how they act and react to different situations that pop up with clients. And, you know, when you're not in the thick of it, I think it's a lot easier to see. Mm -hmm. But often when it's happening directly in your business, it's really easy to get wound up in the everyday nature of checking off tasks and making sure things are taken care of. But because we have this outside perspective, a lot of times I have noticed a trend that is not uncommon. It's like any other area of our business where y'all love planning. Y'all love digging in and making the map and like figuring out the goals and figuring out the like high level nature of things. But then when it gets into implementing, I see a lot of people implement the first phase or the first 5% or the first 10%. And we forget that it needs to be a really constant check-in as we develop out client experience. And as a all-in-one digital agency at Boss Project, we are thinking about from the moment someone is introduced to you for the very first time, they are a brand new prospect. What do they know or not know about you? And what does their experience look like? All the way through offboarding where you have worked with someone and created an experience and now we're looking for referrals or even wanting to book that client into another project, we have to be thinking about all the phases in between. And it's really easy to get caught up and thinking about checking off the list of scope and like deliverables. But I want to be thinking about how are we ensuring that the client experience is the same from client to client? And how are we checking in on that? And so I think to kind of give you some ideas, I want to talk for a few minutes about what it's been like to roll out some new services internally. And then what have the phase of like check-ins on the process been like? And then how are we continuing to improve the process with new clients? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, y'all, we do things in the messy middle, in the quick and dirty, in the MVP, right? So one of our work kind of philosophies or company cultures is to have an experimental mindset and a culture of curiosity. And we've talked about how we fostered those into episodes here on the show. So you can go search for those. I think the first 
phase of all of this is actually like the mental shift that you need to be in or the mindset that you need to be in going into a new project, a new service, a new offering, a new whatever revision of what you're doing with the idea that it is an experiment and we need to test things in order to try them and then measure the results of those things in order to then put a system in place. A lot of us, a lot of us think that we can create a perfect, flawless, well-running system before we even offer the service or have a client come through. And not only does that slow you down because it takes you a long time to figure out those details and then actually launch it, but you're always going to have to go edit that system anyways once a real human being with a real project comes through because there is literally no way for you to think of everything because you're just hypothesizing how that situation could go. So I encourage you to get into the headspace of, I'm just going to do it and I'm going to hold myself to figuring out what went well and what didn't, then creating the time, actually blocking your calendar to then create the process. Yeah. So in terms of what that has looked like from a phased approach, you know, when we have this new service come about, we knew we needed to create systematically how someone would go through the experience. But what that really makes important throughout the process is you kind of have to pause and do, you know, 10% of the work, 15% of the work all at once, and then put the client immediately back in it. So I know it can feel kind of uncomfortable to have a client come in and then you literally have nothing to send them yet. But honestly, having someone come in and then you develop the questionnaire or then you develop the form they have to fill out or then you develop the very next phase. I think of so many more things, having a real client to send through it. And the first attempt, you know, say is, you know, a client questionnaire is a really common step one. As soon as someone signs a contract, you want them to fill out some information. So you have what you need to do your job. You know, that's just a common part of the client experience. I think the first time you do it, you're likely going to make your questions too targeted to this one individual client. And (laughs) you're going to make it not only too targeted, but you're going to realize when you start implementing that there are additional things you needed to know that you did not gather in that phase one or, or step zero or whatever. And so you need to be documenting what was missing. And you also need to be coming back to the initial outreach to identify what needs revisions so that you can make the form in some ways more generic so that it would work for different industries or or different types of clients. But that doesn't mean you can't customize the experience as they go through it. So that initial questionnaire, I think, is a great example of the first time we did it, it was very specific to the client. The second time we did it, we made it more generic, but there was still questions missing. And like every time we refine, we get it closer and closer. And I think by the third or fourth time, really, there was no changes. However, you may still have the desire to add additional questions because of the client who has unique circumstances to their project. And that is totally okay. And sometimes it doesn't always need to be in the form. Sometimes it can be in other nuanced areas of this thing. But I want you thinking about 
don't just do the phase one, because I think it's so easy to bring a client in or maybe even try to develop it in advance of the client coming in and then not revisit it. And oh, 100%. The revisiting it is such an important part of the client experience development process. Yep. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. Get unparalleled access to job seekers with over 350 million unique monthly visitors globally, according to Indeed data, and an extended reach through Glassdoor. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. In the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get it set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. And so literally what I would do is like, as the client is going through, like set a block time off on your calendar, put it on your calendar, make it a task that pops up, however you want to do it. But literally like at least once a week for the entire time that that client is coming through a new process for you to do pause, what communication, what things, what's happened this week 
what has gone out? Okay. Maybe they got that onboarding questionnaire. Maybe then like you realized you should have asked for this type of login information or these files because you then had to send a separate email, like go through all of your communication. They got access to their client portal, but it would actually make more sense if this lived here. Everything from file organization and delivery to communication platforms and schedule to questionnaires and forms that you're getting from them in order to do your job, like everything needs to be assessed. And some of these projects, even if they're lengthy, like you're going to get a pretty good idea of literally what to change for your very next client, but then reassess again. And like Abby was saying, it was like three or four times before we were like, I actually think this form is pretty good to go. Like we just need to change the client name at the top and the date and it can send, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it it takes time to get to that point, but I think the reassessment is so critical. Another piece that we've been doing that I think has been really helpful in the development, the client experience for new offers has been our debrief process. And so anytime we wrap up a client project, we have a set form that we're filling out that asks very specific questions. Was this an ideal client? If so, why? If not, why not? How did this scope and deliverables go? Did you deliver everything you said you were going to? And is there anything you would change about the delivery or scope to get someone closer to solving the full problem, providing that full solution? And this could mean taking things out or adding things. We also look at the onboarding client delivery and offboarding, is there anything about the experience that needs to change? Is there anything about the communication that needs to change? And then when we look at what needs to be implemented, what are we doing really well? What do we need to continuously improve? And what do we not need to do again? Because that did not work. And we need to try again. And so instead of just letting this sit, this immediately turns into an action plan. And we are And sometimes it's waiting for the next client to book and that's okay. And other times it's immediately turning around and we're making changes right then, right there. But even if it's waiting for the very next time for you to book it, you documenting all of this information is such a critical piece of you being able to go back and say, oh, well, last time I projected it was only going to take 20 hours to complete this project, but it actually took 35 And so before I even present a new quote, I need to make adjustments and make sure my price is in alignment, or I need to adjust the deliverables, or I need to adjust the form and what questions I'm asking or whatever. And I think such a critical piece of this experimental mindset is the follow up and follow through. 100% it's in the follow through. And I think that this is honestly the biggest opportunity for so many service providers, because we've talked about this, I think on here before, where and we had a whole training about it where everyone's always literally so focused on the initial client experience, but you're not assessing like the intricacies of literally everything else that goes into it. And I'm like, I know sometimes it seems boring and not worth your time to think about like, truly, how are you communicating with your clients and is it effective? Truly, what is the mechanism of getting feedback from your clients? How can you make that part easier? Truly, how is it that you're, you know, sending and delivering files? Like what is the actual, like, not just what you do, but how you do it. And the assessment of this is critical from client to client, because I think so often 
we, like I said, spend time imagining what the process should be before we even walk anyone through it. Then we send a real person through it and we don't make edits or adjustments to that process because we think it's perfect and it's refined. And what I hear most often come up is that then service providers find they're resentful of their clients. Yes. Like the communication from their clients. It's they're mad. It, it almost always manifests into they're yep. frustrated with their clients when and I'm like, baby girl. 98% of the issues are preventable if you keep improving. Like I will tell you, absolutely. We've had clients go through the process and like getting feedback and having them test stuff was the definition of a nightmare. And then we're like, okay. It's on us. This How is we- in our control. How do we improve getting feedback from a client? How do we improve showcasing that we're done and offboarding? How do we improve? And like, just if we just look at feedback all on its own, I am obsessed with this new tool that we're utilizing. And I know that we're just scratching the surface. Yeah. 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 So with our website and branding projects and through Dipsado or Squarespace or show it or whatever, whatever the platform that we're doing it in, y'all getting feedback on something visual is generally pretty difficult. Getting someone to be like the image on the left above the fold, but the header, but, but they don't like, know how to use the above the fold and they don't they're know how not to- using that language. You guys are using that language. They're not going to say, Oh, H2 is actually like, they're not going to say that to you. And so I have seen service providers try to educate their clients on the language, which like, okay, maybe we can spend some energy there, but like they don't need to be the expert in design in order to be able to give you feedback. And so one of the like best Google searches I've ever done <laughs> led me to a software called marker.io, I think is the website. And it's literally just code. It's a code widget that you can add to your website that enables a feedback button to pop up and you can do it on live or not live page. Like it's just in your website and your client can click the feedback button and they can submit whatever they need to say. They can attach their own screenshots. They can mark. So what happens is as soon as you click the feedback button, it does a screenshot of wherever you are on that page. So you don't even have to describe what you're looking at. It's a picture of it. You can mark up that screenshot, write as many notes as you want. But the cool part, again, because we're saying it's in the follow through, that is just the getting the feedback. But you managing that feedback, getting it to the right people on your team to make the changes and then telling the client that the changes have been made can also be really clunky. And we have found historically that that's typically done in a lot of back and forth emails and you forget what you agreed to. You forget where we are. What part of the process are we in? What has been done? I want to make changes here. And we wanted to create a more finality to changes and versions. So what this does is we've connected it to Asana. It like integrates easily into our project management system. So it creates a card on any board that we want, this client's board with the feedback, and we can internally assign subtask, make comments, send, like put a deadline on it or whatever. But as soon as that task is marked as resolved in Asana, it marks it resolved in marker and emails the client that the thing is resolved. So we don't even have to do the communication. Yeah. And if you feel like you need to add additional comments of like to explain how something's working, like say it's a question, but you don't actually need to tangibly make a change. 
you can comment inside marker and it'll email. And when it emails, it's showing it as connected to that very specific comment. Yeah. And so at the end of it, you can like literally pull up a report of all the feedback they had and all the changes been implemented or marked as resolved. Game changer. It's so helpful. So it is literally your job, like part of your job to make whatever process for your client, for your deliverables, work seamlessly, as seamlessly as possible. Sometimes you will need third-party apps. Sometimes it's about creating automations, communications, or workflow on your end. But really picking apart every aspect of this is crucial because what I find, and this is a skill I learned from our favorite business book ever, question behind the question, (laughs) is that I began to take that skill elsewhere, right? Of if we're having issues with a client and typically it's miscommunication, it's scope is being crossed. We're not hearing from the client as quickly as we want to, whatever the issue is, right? If that's the actual issue, it is my job to do a little digging and identify how did this issue come to light in the first place? Is it a personality thing? Is it a lack of process? Is it lack of communication? Is it lack of boundaries? Did we not communicate that boundary? Were we not clear over here? Could this type of system or process make this preventable in the future? Like I have to kind of pick apart what's happening and to find the root that actually caused that behavior. Yeah, it's easy to, especially when you're the person doing the work from start to finish all of it. I feel like in a lot of ways, because we have a team, it is easier for us to step back. It is easier for us to have an impartial view and not get as frustrated in certain scenarios. And I absolutely know there's going to be portions that things pop up and you're like, wow, like that sucked this morning. And so I want you, it's a skill you have to work on yourself. If you need to take a a break, you know, some time away from it so that you can be less reactionary to the Mm -hmm. issue, do that. Great example. This morning (laughs) I went to go look for a file and there were thousands of files that were no longer where they were supposed to be. And one, instead of panicking, like I know our file system is the way it is because it has recovery. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. because I, this has happened before. <laughs> I went and I looked at the recently deleted files and immediately started restoring shit. But like I could also see who had deleted them and it was a client. And so I did immediately email the client and basically said, don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't do that. But also, gave her a solution because I identified probably the reason she's doing this. What is the actual cause of the problem? She's out of space. It has nothing to do with her maliciously deleting my files, which, Mm -hmm. you know, seven years ago, me could have definitely gone down the (laughs) rabbit hole of what that would look like. Do you not know how files work? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, there's that. But then my immediate action step beyond that, not just communicating with the client, not just restoring the files, but I immediately am talking to my team internally. Okay, if we are sending, like in this case, this is a, a long-term client. And the reason she's deleting this is because we've done hundreds of projects together. Hundreds. And so it, it contain thousands of files. And 
you know, what is the archival process? What is the like moving things from a client has access to? It's only an internal file at this point. Like, what is our management look like? And is there a way that we can like have clients submit certain file types in one way, but like how we store them and how they see them is a different access point so that they can't in the future delete them, (laughs) you know, and I don't have the solution right now, but like, I know that there's probably 10 action steps that need to happen because this incident occurred. Yes. And I could easily just like, well, hope that doesn't happen again. Yeah. I could easily get frustrated and just like move on. Mm -hmm. But like, we just can't stop there. Like we can't stop with the one email back to the client. We can't just stop with the restoration or what, or correcting the issue. Right. Right. We have to communicate. We have to correct the issue and we have to come up with a follow-up plan to prevent the issue from reoccurring. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the piece where something might not be as critical for y'all. And so maybe you're not seeing it as glaring, but like truly like something as little as like, Oh, I missed this meeting or, Oh, I missed this email. And I didn't see that you messaged me about whatever, like weird client stuff that pops up like that. That is a minor issue that could turn into a huge issue. And it's an opportunity for an improvement of the process, but that only happens if you're actually doing a deep dive. So we have an actual doc. I know we, we kind of, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but we have an actual doc where we do an internal client debrief about a week or two after a client wraps. It's not hugely urgent, but we have whoever was involved in that client project in the meeting and Abigail and myself. We have a doc pulled up. We literally have three columns, green, yellow, red, went well, needs improvement, did not go well, don't repeat. And we all just kind of silently work in the doc and we like do all of our own things, bullet, bullet, bullet. And then we talk about them if we need to. But all of the areas that say needs improvement, we immediately then discuss what process needs to be created to make this improvement actually happen. What needs to be fixed? What needs to be changed? What needs to be eliminated? Whatever. And that gets a project, a task in a sauna so that it actually happens. And you know what? I know the reason this isn't happening right now for you. Like, I am not naive to the fact that I am critically hyper aware of our capacity and I'm not passing our capacity limit. And so we have time because it's part of the plan. And for those of you who are like, literally when, like if you're screaming, when, like, I don't know when I would do this. It's a capacity thing. You are either over committing yourself to client projects that you don't have time to do at all Because you don't know how long it takes you to even do your current work. Right. And part of it is like, you may have time to do the project, but if you're not developing this space around it for you to function and do the rest of the company, like this comes back to your responsibility as a CEO. And like, as a CEO, you can't just be delivering on client work. You have to be continuously improving operations and improving the client experience. And you know what? I will say it most of the time, if not all of the time right now for us, most of the time, the client has no idea there's an issue. Oh, none. Yep. None. Or they're not even experiencing the gap 
but we are trying to notice every little detail. And they may be having a hunky-dory time through the process, but if there's hiccups internally, like we need to be on top of that. And part of that is because we have a value of serving, we are communicating even through issues so that the client doesn't feel like they're just waiting and like what's going on behind the scenes. And so there are certain things that we're prioritizing, even when the back end management is still a little messy. And in that messy middle, it's like, okay, well, part of our mitigation of the messy <laughs> middle is we're going to have a task on every active client that at least once a week, we're sending some sort of progress update. And like right now, that's entirely manual. You know, down the line, the hope is that we have a very detailed timeline and we could tell them before the project even starts that assuming there's no delays, that this is exactly what it'll look like to move through this project. But you don't have to have that day one. And you got to give yourself space to have it be messy. And part of that is how can you prioritize communication with the client while you're still working out the details behind the scenes. They don't have to know that you're like, well, I haven't made the questionnaire yet. So it'll be a couple of days before I send that. Don't I'll, I'll that. send you a questionnaire in a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. You, you just tell them what they need to know. Yes. Now, if your brain is hurting a little bit and you're like, oh my gosh, I have like so many things to refine or clean up, or I don't even have a process that I want to create. And what's your process? This is literally what we help clients do behind the scenes. Like your prospect to lead, your lead to client, your client delivery, everything in between. There's going to be different touch points that are required depending on your business and depending on where you're at, depending on your industry and depending what assets you currently have. So this could look like anything from a complete Dubsado creation and overhaul, a new website or brand, new processes for your leads and tech setup, copy, SEO, and so many different things where our team can come in and help create this amazing process for you and your clients. Even if you just need to be that sounding board of let me verbally dump everything out and then you guys help me kind of see the vision. That's what we're really good at. So I'd love to hear from you. If you go to bossproject.com slash waitlist and book a time with us, literally you'll get on our calendar and have a chat with us so we can kind of assess where you're at, what you've got going on and where your areas of opportunity are. And we can try to create something really cool together. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. 